Afghan, everyone, and welcome to our panel discussion, Burnishing Your Legacy, which offers advice and insight for auditors and other conformity assessment professionals looking to reap the rewards of their years in the industry and, and maybe give something back as well. I'm Mike Richmond of Exemplar Global, your host and moderator for this event. And today I'm joined again by three of Exemplar Global's best, Andrew Baines, who's the president and CEO of the company, Adam Maxwell, who's technical director, and Wendy Edwards, who is our project director. These are three experienced and very engaging professionals, and they have unique perspectives on these questions. So, Andrew, Adam, Wendy, thanks again for joining us. Pleasure. Thanks, nice to be here. Yeah, well, it's going to be another fun session. We've had some, some good ones already, and I know this is going to be interesting as well, because we're going to talk now um, about this, this idea of, of, of giving back. Again, where you're at in your career as you've progressed through some different stages, and now maybe you want to do a little bit more uh, with young people with with uh, giving something back to the industry. Uh, and again, we're going to ask some questions. We're going to kind of interview one another. Uh, we're going to uh, have a good open discussion about this this opportunity to, to learn more from one another. So with that said, let's get started. Um, so in the second half of one's career, what are some of the things that people might want to consider changing? Things that you've done your whole career and that maybe now you want to switched up a little bit. What are some of those things that we should switch up? I think it's interesting as you go through your career, indeed through your life, in fact, how at different stages of it, you have a different perspective than you, you had at the earlier stages. Very difficult to know what you're going to think in, in the future, but you, you do know where you've come from. And uh, I think it's fair to say, uh, well, without offending either Wendy or Adam, we're all in the second half of our careers. And uh, certainly for me, being able to look back over the stages of it, I can see how much I have changed. And I do remember a point at which it stopped being about me and my career, and what can I do next? And more about, well, how does that fit with the broader aspects of life, of what you want to do with family, with um, other interests? Um, art is my case and um, pets and walking and exercise and things like that with with this element and it's a very interesting one there comes a point at which i felt i wanted to give something back there was something without uh, being too arrogant about it i hope i hope it's not that but you've got this some experience and you want to be able to provide opportunity back and there's numerous ways of doing that that i think we might explore in these discussions um, I won't try and go through them all at this point without opening to the floor, but there are many ways at which you can give back at different levels at different times for different ways. So, you know, I I just think it's uh, again about uh, being open to the possibilities, as we've said in, in a couple of the earlier calls we've done, uh, to what have you got of value and having the confidence, I think, to be able to go out and do that. For me, I think in that in that second half of my career, what did I look to change? I guess um, with it came a recognition that it wasn't the technical stuff. I think in the first half of my career, I was very focused on um, understanding the technical stuff and being good at the technical stuff. And with the second half of my career, what changed, I think, was my understanding that it's actually nothing to do with me. It's about the other people I'm interacting with. And it became more about... Um, how to get the best from them, how to help them understand, how to help them do well and be successful. Um, so I guess, you know, reflecting some of the comments from Andrew there is that your, your focus about what's important changes. Um, and so that was it for me. 
What about you, Adam? Yeah, for me, Wendy, I think it became less about trying to um, make others notice um, my success and encouraging or helping others to achieve, I think, is, is bringing those people through in your slipstream almost. Nice. Uh, that type of concept to um, just through everyday conversations, you know, through my, my auditing or whether it's talking with other auditors or um, with training providers or, you know, anybody else. You have a, a great um, opportunity to talk to many, many different people in mm. what I do on a daily basis. And if you can impart some knowledge or expertise or something onto them or even just a different perspective sometimes, um, that helps them to achieve. Um, and I great, take great satisfaction in watching others achieve now that I've reached this part in my career. I think there's there's ways of influencing people that we're conscious of and there's ways of influencing people that we're unconscious of. You know, you, mm. you know, you you might have inspired somebody to do something, and you're completely unaware of it. You mm. don't know about it, but you do start to recognise that you do have some influence. And the ways that you can uh, contribute back and help with things like this are, are, are manifold. As I say, you could do it within management of of uh, recruiting people. You could move into mentoring if you're that way inclined, and actually work more specifically with somebody and where mentoring is uh, for for the mentor little to gain other than satisfaction for the mentee lot to gain but you can also do it in in ways that they're not so time consuming go speak at a conference go and be a volunteer for something else uh, you know help build a team around you that uh, that um, you can help along their ways in their careers and things uh, uh, i think these are the things that i would want to be able to probably do more of if I could than than you can but there's we've got to also have people that are receptive to it as well yeah that's actually that's a really interesting um concept like for me my last role prior to this was a, a deliberate decision to go back to being a practitioner with a view of understanding actually that I would be mentoring up new people um as, as part of my role so my role as a manager wasn't so much being a technical person and doing based on the knowledge that I'd gained, but was around bringing people who are at the very beginning of their career and sort of um, like you talk about, Adam, you know, like um, making their growth, their learning that little bit easier because you can direct and grow and support and mentor them um, to come through to be able to do uh, their role as one of your team. Interesting. Yeah, let me pause this as a, as a bit of a question to you. As you go into that second part and latter part of your career even, do you head more to your comfort areas or do you deliberately put yourself out of your comfort zone sometimes to do something new and challenging? You know, maybe it's going and speaking at conferences that you wouldn't naturally want to do, but that is a way of giving back. Maybe it's having a go at writing a book. Um, maybe it's a way of taking on a new element to your career at, at this later stage. Um, I, I think it's tempting to sit where your comfort zone is, but it's still refreshing at times. 
that you haven't uh, done everything and to go into something that you're a little less comfortable with. In fact, one or two of us might have said sitting on doing podcasts is one of those things that we're less comfortable <laughs> with. But so here we are, here we are having a go at doing it. Yeah. yeah, exactly right, um, Andrew. Like, if you would have asked me if I wanted to do this voluntarily, um, the answer would have been a hard no. Um, not to say that I'm dragged here kicking and screaming, but you know, doing these, um, I get, you know, it, it, now that I'm here, it kind of makes me happy. Uh, so, you know, sometimes you've just got to take that leap and hopefully you um, you land on your feet. Um, I think that's a, a, a concept that's come up time and time again during this hour now, our third discussion, is just have a go at something. Um, and if that is... Um, auditing, dip your toe in the water and give it a try. Um, or, you know, it, that extends to anything at all. And Adam, I'm glad you said that because I think that that that's something that I think about a lot too is, is you know, that's why I kind of pose the question this way is because, you know, we want to get ourselves out of our comfort zones. We want to make sure that we shake it up and we want to make sure that we, we get everything we can out of our careers or whatever stage it is. But the flip side of the question is also then if we if we need to be conscious of shaking things up and not getting too comfortable, what are the things that we need to hold on to that we can we should never give up? We should never change because they're working or they're just core beliefs. What are some of those things? Yeah, I think integrity um, comes high on that list for me personally, Mike and Andrew and Wendy may have um, also other keywords, but I think. Um, having a, a, a sense of integrity really um, assists uh, and um, not doing so, anything that undermines that. Um, that's really what anything is built upon is that um, people need to be able to know that they can trust you, whether that's um, with information during an audit, um, with, um, you know, friends and with their personal information, whatever the case may be. But I think that um, that's the first word that comes to my mind. Andrew, yeah, what do you I think? think? I think it's a good word. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, it'd be difficult to disagree with it. I, I was thinking as you went to answer that, just being true to myself, it'd be true to yourself, which is much the same sort of thing, I suspect. And you can only do you. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try and understand yourself and have some awareness and uh, and and have integrity and so on and so forth but you are going to be you and people will judge you on that basis whatever like or not like uh, respect or not respect um the the not the title of this but the the subject of this conversation was about burning Sydney's legacy and you know we do leave a footprint but there's no doubt we do it might not be uh, a, a work of arts it might not be something that makes us famous but we do leave an impression and a footprint and an effect on people and, and um, I think it's worth aiming to be proud of that when you do it and if you're not true to yourself then I suspect you may not be as proud as you would be if you think well there you go I did that the best I could and particularly if you can inspire others to to do with the best that they can then I think that's a pretty good legacy to leave too. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting actually the 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 values or the and the word integrity were the things that sprung to my mind when you asked that question, Mike. And I think, you know, much along the lines of that that legacy conversation is is it is actually human beings that we're interacting with. And at the end of the day, um, whether you're auditing consulting training back in, in the community in some way, um, remembering that we're dealing with other human beings who who come with their own journey and just being humane in those interactions. So whether you're issuing out bad news or, you know, congratulating someone because it's good, but just, just remembering um, and applying values to those human being type interactions. And kind of a, an, a line with that question, uh, of, uh, and and thank you for, for talking about that at length, because I think that was great, and integrity is, is really the most important thing, I think, for all of us, is that there there is a, a legacy that we all leave behind, and it is it is primarily, I think, driven through the people that we interact with. This is a people business as much as it's technical as well. And one thing that we always talk about a lot in, in terms of trying to foster new people coming into the industry is, is how do we, you know, establish bonds of mentor-mentee relationships? And that's, to me, for those that have had great careers and are having great careers and want to give back, there's a very specific um relationship that you can have with a mentee. And I ask the question of many auditors that I interview when we do auditor profiles is, you know, wait, were you mentored? You know, do you give it back? And in, inevitably, people that were mentored have many, many more mentees than they've ever been mentored by. Uh, so it's really paying that paying it forward. So what are some ideas for how someone who has a wealth of experience maybe can find mentees, people that they can help to 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 guide in their careers a bit. What would be some suggestions you could offer on, on that? Um, look, for, for me, Mike, one of the ways that I've ended up acquiring mentees is, is by offering to help with their CVs, and it is because somebody helped me with mine. By the time you get to mid-career, trying to talk about yourself is quite uncomfortable and trying to summarise, um, you know, what you what, what technology you know, what skill sets you have um, in a way that's meaningful to somebody that perhaps has never met you can be quite challenging. And having somebody assist with that who was much older and much further on in their career uh, really opened my eyes to how important it is to be able to articulate um, so that you can grow your career and move on. So by volunteering to help others, I've I've realised that actually um, that's something that I can offer them. They have skills that they can't articulate and don't realise that they have, but equally, it helps them identify where they've got gaps. If there's a, if they want to go into auditing, for example, or want to be the next senior practitioner, or um, you know, there's an area of learning that they need. It helps them articulate what experience or learning they might need for their CV to look stronger to help them take that next career step. I think there's uh, something slightly potentially creepy about an image of, of uh, sidling up to somebody saying, I want to be your mentor. Would you please let me be your mentor? <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure how it would work sometimes. I think it's more fortuitous as a relationship that comes along and, and sort of happens. I'm not sure I would ever say I've had a mentor, but there are certainly a number of people, a small number, I would say, uh, but a number of people that inspired me that uh, it wasn't out of them sitting down and saying, let me let me teach you something. It was what I observed from what they were doing, and they may or may not be conscious of it or have been conscious. Unfortunately, a number of them have passed away now. But you you 
have this effect, and I alluded to this earlier, we have this effect, you leave a footprint on people, sometimes consciously and sometimes not consciously. And and not far from the point we were just talking about in terms of integrity and being true to yourself, for me, is one of, of having a general awareness that you are impacting people anyway. Now, if somebody wants to seek further guidance and support from you, Great, that's lovely. And it's a nice thing to sort of explore whether you do it formally or informally, that, that's fine. And if you have a particular wish to go off and uh, volunteer as, as a formal mentor, I think that's wonderful too. I think that's a really worthwhile thing to do. But I don't think we should forget that we are actually having that effect on people anyway. I'm fortunate enough to be the president and CEO of this little organisation. And I know that people that uh, uh, interact with us on staff or otherwise see this title and think you are something. They don't just see Andrew, the little lad that used to run around in the playground. They see a title. And, and so I think it's incumbent on Andrew, the little lad in the playground, to be aware that you're having an effect on people and make that as best effect as you could. Do you get it right all the time? No, not, not at all. Um, but it's well intended. Yeah, and for me, uh, Andrew and Wendy, Mike, um, there hasn't been any formal mentors, but I've taken great cues from um, managers as I was coming up through the ranks that I really enjoyed the, their style or the relationship that I had with those uh, people that have, I've had been fortunate enough to have in my career as I've moved forwards. And I've taken bits and pieces out of those um, individuals and tried to emulate those in the way that I interact. So that's at that level. But I've also had the opportunity to work within some pretty great organisations and how those organisations also um, operate and have relationships with other organisations um, to the extent where they're operating almost within an ecosystem and only if both organisations are successful can the entire whole be successful. So I've taken snippets of learnings out of both that organisational level and the personal level to arrive at where I am today. Um, so no formal mentors, but that's um, the informal and just remaining open to the environment has helped me to become the person I am. I think also you can learn from what not to do. You've seen people that have been yeah. a poor manager or or a, 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 a bad role model or whatever it might be. So you can learn from that too. And, and again, mm. being conscious of, of your influence on people, positive and negative, I think uh, has a relevance in here um, mm. as well. And nobody goes out to do that deliberately. Of course they don't. But, um, you know, if we're, if we're conscious of this uh, self-awareness that we've talked about already previously, and indeed the consultancy is also about uh, this to some extent, and that could be a personal consultant, effectively what a mentor is. I've certainly found it easier in life at times to give other people advice, and maybe that's consistent with being an auditor, than uh, perhaps taking other people's advice to me. Um, it's sometimes easier to see what other people could do. It's easier to have confidence for them to say, Wendy, you're really good at this. You could go off and do this. Well, I haven't got the confidence to do it myself, but maybe I can inspire you to have that confidence. Yeah, 
I want to uh, switch gears a little bit because I, I, I have to admit I have a pet peeve, and, and that's this idea that that uh, young people are great at technology and people that are a little further along in their careers are terrible at it. And there's this idea out there that that has got some currency. And I, I, I have to say, I think it's not true, but I think it also does that, that, that fallacy is taking root a bit. And I think people kind of come to a point in their career where they're like, well, I can't, you know, I don't, I don't do that or I don't want to learn that or I don't need to. Uh, I'm just not good at technology. But I'd like to maybe put a pin in that a little bit and pop that myth because I think that that's a limiting belief that because we have to, right? We have to all live in a technological world. We have to live with the technology. We have to make it work for us. We don't want to work against it. So what's some some advice that you, three of you may, might give for how you've encountered technology and maybe struggle with technology or overcome technology? What would be advice for people that are further along in their careers to, to get the most out of technology? I, I think it's a tremendously exciting time uh, from a technology point of view. And one of the uh, drawbacks of being later in your career and indeed later in life is that we've got less of it in front of us than behind us. And I'd be so excited to see what our sector could be doing with technology in the next five or 10 or 20 years. I, I can only begin to imagine. And indeed, in Exemplar Global, we are trying to imagine the use of some of the technologies and we've uh, we've gone a long way to try and embrace that and envisage it for auditors that are, are up and coming. Um, I think I've also mentioned in earlier podcasts when we started out we used to send things off to the typing pool. We didn't have mobile phones even uh, and so we've seen technology change tremendously. Now we've got things like AI, uh, we could have virtual assistants there, we can communicate instantly real time anywhere in the world we can even translate much better than we could do. There's no end to the possibilities. I think it's an immensely exciting time. Does that mean I'm good at technology? No, not necessarily. Does it mean that I'm not frightened, I'm going to break it? No, it does not necessarily. I'm not a whiz, I don't know anything about coding, but I can be inspired and indeed more than excited about the possibilities of what we can do with it. In fact, that my challenge to, to the team sometimes is, well, how hard can it be? Technology can surely do this for us. And people like Adam sit there and say, well, actually, it's maybe not quite as quick and easy as you think. Well, I'm not. <laughs> I think that that's, that makes a really good point is that the, the best way for the technology to make our lives easier is to actually use it. Um, so being open and curious about it, and to Andrew's point, it is still evolving. And the old tools like the notebook and the pen, there are so many better options now. But you need, you actually do need to deliberately hunt for things and be um, be willing to to give them a go and learn. And I think the best advice I ever got um, was around you know if you've got a new teammate to help you take some of the workload on and you never spoke to them and you never had anything to do with them, you know, a month, six months, 12 months later, they're collecting a salary and reading the paper because you're not using them for anything. And we tend to do this, we would never do it with a person, but we tend to do it with tools. You know, we, we've got tools available, but we don't take the time to get to know them. And so 12 months later, the very expensive, whatever it is, tool is still sitting there and it's not really being used to its best advantage. So the advice that we were given was to do as you would with a teammate is make a cup of coffee, set some time in your diary, take 10 minutes and get to know the tool because by using it, actually, it's going to make your life better. Exactly, Wendy. I don't think I've got anything to add to that. Um, just uh, 
give it giving it a try i think and not being afraid of it in the first instance it's just like a new person as you quite clearly articulated um get to know it every every piece of technology has its own personality just like an individual does you just got to learn how to engage with that personality and um, get to know it a little bit and um, you'll be off and running in no time and you, you may not be an expert um, I don't think anybody can necessarily be an expert in every piece of technology we have available to us these days. And there's continuing to be evolving space around um, how and why we do things. Um, yeah, but just giving it a go um, is is the best way and you'll gradually become more confident in doing so. Absolutely. Well, as we come to the end of the session, I, I have one question I want to ask, which uh, is is also kind of a reframing of something, and it is a term that that many people use: work-life balance. I actually prefer life-work balance. Which I don't know why people don't use life-work balance. They always put the work first. But uh, but as we advance through our careers, you know, we we should think about we should always think about our lives first. But we we do need to to have that life-work balance. Um, but you can take things too far. I mean, my 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 dear father uh, always said he wished he had not retired in his early 60s. He wished he had re he had worked longer because he kind of got, you know, a little stale. You know, he he got a little far away from technology. He got a little far away from the day to day of of keeping his mind sharp and doing those things. So I think that there's a lot to be said for that as we again as we progress. Uh, into into our careers and through our careers and toward the end of our careers of about keeping yourself involved and engaged. So what what maybe as we come to the end of the session or some ideas you all could present that would help us enhance that as, as I said the life work balance that we have in our careers. That's a very interesting question, and for me it's one that uh, calls for a little bit of looking forward because I'm not quite there at uh, post career that part of it yet. Um, but it's not that far away either, and I'm quite looking forward to it. But I think this is a critical question in terms of all of us of having a balance in your life of any of any way that you phrase it. We're all multidimensional. We're all family people. We're all brothers. We're all dads, daughters, mothers, whatever it might be. And work is part of that. And um, but but. That work is also part of what you are and vice versa. These things are, are rarely so segmented that they're, they're discrete. One influences the other. I love it with my team when you can see something of the families. One of the benefits of working from home and uh, these uh, video calls that we do these so often these days is that occasionally you'll hear the dog barking. You'll hear um, somebody will come into the room uh, You'll see a painting on the wall behind them that's of interest to you, and you get you 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 get some exposure to a wider set of the dimensions of somebody's life than just the work. And I think it's important to acknowledge those and indeed embrace them because they bring one thing to the other. In our area of work, and others are not the same. Ours is not life or death. It's influential. We have the opportunity to be a positive influence. We can do some great things, but we're not doing the, the role of first responders that are dealing with, with life and death things. And I admire those people so, so much. I really do. But it helps me keep this in perspective, too. Is let's not get too 
bogged down in this. So keep that balance of perspective with it. Keep your interests and explore the things you're interested in. And if you want to keep connected, then we've just been talking about being a mentor and, and influencing people, uh, doing things part time, volunteering for things. There's so many ways that you can continue to be a, a, a valuable contributor to things that uh, it takes some thinking about and perhaps some planning. You know, we, were, we were also talking on an earlier session about about planning things rather than just seeing what happens. So perhaps planning a few of those things won't do any harm either. I, I totally agree. And I think um, for me, it's something I've been inspired by my mother, who is um, now in her mid 80s and has been volunteering most of her life. Um, and she still works four days a week as a volunteer. There was a time when she was working more hours weekly than I was. So um, there's certainly opportunities for um, for those of us in this industry and community to give back and to volunteer. Um, I think as I've moved through my career, one of the things I've realised is the most important thing about the life-work balance question is being realistic about, um, as an individual, what it is that you need for sleep and downtime in order to do your best on the, in your in your work. Um, so for me, um, the others on the call will be familiar that, you know, if I'm sleep deprived, I'm not as sharp, um, <laughs> well behaved as I should be. Um, and so if I'm out auditing, I know that, you know, I'm not going to be doing my best for the customer. So um, for me, it's around just being realistic about um, my hours versus my work time. And that certainly means for me anyway, a little bit more life, a little less work. Mm. How about you, Adam? Interesting. I uh, wrestle with this all the time um, about the work-life balance, or as Mike says, life-work balance. Um, it is it is a challenge, and I've looked forward to um, what what I will do in the next phase of my life, and I really can't see myself doing. Um, maybe scaling back a little bit but retiring i don't think is appealing to me um because i take great um great pleasure in making a difference to people's lives interacting with people you know if you were to take all this away um all the positive interactions the engagement um learning new things what are you left with um from from my perspective um yes there's opportunities to go out and explore you know the world and things but why can't you just put you know the pivot point between those two things in your career both the life and work and just change where the pivot point is and um you know continue to be engaged in this community which is a fabulous community to be involved in um, just from a different perspective, you know, um, getting and um, assisting in writing standards or um, 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 uh, being involved in um, committees and and that sort of thing, and and perhaps doing some some auditing as well, um, and weaving that into um, your life, I think, is much more appealing to me than setting a date. You know, I'm going to leave that part of my life behind and then move forwards. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know, but I I think walking away from it entirely and moving to something else, I don't think is appealing to me personally. Well, what's appealing to me are the three of you. You three are are fantastic. Uh, as much as you complained about sometimes doing these sessions with me, 
Uh, you all did such a great job with some really, really great deep insights. Again, uh, Andrew, Adam, Wendy, thank you so much for your perspectives on that through throughout all phases of the careers for, for our customers out there. I think everyone got a lot out of it. So thank you all for doing that. Uh, if you're listening and you do have questions, feel free to write us at info at exemplarglobal.org. You can visit us, of course, online at exemplarglobal.org. We want to in engage with you and, and hear your thoughts about some of the ideas we, we threw around on these sessions. Um, you can claim CPD from watching this session as well. Just follow the prompts in your, in your screen to learn how to do that. Uh, and again, thank you all for being here. Thank you, the three of you. Thanks for, to everybody in our audience. And we look forward to, uh, to having you visit us for more sessions uh, on our site going forward. So thanks again for joining us. We'll see you soon. <laughs>